yeah. they do. So are, are they doing the radio show from home right now? Yeah. How has that been for them? Uh, good, I think. I mean, <laughs> it sounded good. Nice. Um, I like. I don't know if you listen to to their shows. I really like my dad's taste in music. Obviously. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Just growing up. Big with influence. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that. No, I mean, it's been, it's been kind of cool just seeing how you can just take a few different pieces, maybe three or $400 worth of gear outside of the actual computer setup and can have a pretty decent like recording studio at home for something like the talk show format. Yeah, that, this is pretty extensive. Yeah, this is a, this has been, it has worked. Yeah. And here I, and here I go again, like getting close to breaking my own rule, but it, eventually people would just be like, we know exactly where that's at. And eventually people would just like the podcast and I'd be like, ah, it is what it is. I feel like you like said it or at least hinted at it in the first one. Oh yeah. 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 And I've, I've, I've talked about it in like multiple of the episodes as well. Cause it's hard to like, for it to not to end up being some part yeah. of conversation. I so mean, like, I, I was going to mention it's why I, or the shirt, you know. Oh, that's legit. Oh, I hadn't even noticed that it is the particular Halloween shirt that it is. Yeah. We'll let people figure that one out on their own. I'm yeah. already like into the recording part, so this is I, th I like oh, this okay. is no, no, you're good. You're, okay. Like, oh crap, no. The um, I, I like this because this is kind of the nice intro piece to discussion right. that uh, that I work off of for for the starts of the show. Um, and I guess that's where we get into episode number eleven uh, with Jessica Bradshaw, uh, who is a current city councilwoman uh, for the city of Carbondale. But that's not why she's here. She's just another interesting person living an interesting life here in this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. And I'm so excited excited that she's joined me today because I don't know I just feel like there's so many cool topics that we can cover about your life and the life that you currently live and have lived and all that fun stuff so how did you yeah. get to Carbondale to begin with um my dad came here to go to SIU law school nice. when I was 12 yeah what year did the summer what what year was it that the Mississippi flooded <laughs> is that 93 I, I would have been four okay sorry well i was 12 <laughs> I date myself every time and that was part of the crazy uh road trip that we took moving from california to here <laughs> was uh that was an added complication shall we say to our epic road trip well i don't know if you can call it a road trip if you're moving I, um it's but, kind of a five goes west sort of thing. It's like it's permanent, but it's still an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. It's just more traumatic, I think. <laughs> um, certainly that summer was for a lot of people. But yeah, that was part of it was we didn't even know where to go. Yeah. You know, pre pre Internet, um, you know, the map showed one thing, but the uh, the river closed several bridges, I guess. So. Oh, man. How did how did you ultimately get across the river? Do you remember like what the I have vague recollections of being in lost in St. Louis at a gas station? <laughs> I mean I was twelve, so yeah. no, it doesn't, doesn't always stick um, out. Um but yeah, so we came here in August ninety three, I think it was, and I started seventh grade at Lincoln Junior High School. That's cool. And my dad started law school at SIU. Do you feel like your family latched onto it like as soon as you guys got here? Or do you feel like it took time to acclimate? It, it definitely took time. Um, actually, 
law school is three years, right? Mm -hmm. And I think for two and a half of those years, I was like, okay, well, once he graduates, then we're going to go back to California. Mm -hmm. Um, But (laughs) by that point, you know, I was in ninth grade. I had made some friends and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. I mean, I think it was halfway through eighth grade that my mom and my older sister were like, you know, junior high and middle school sucks for everyone. I was like, now you tell me. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, that's, it, no, sorry. It was definitely hard adjusting from life in San Jose, California to life here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, middle school, junior high sucks for everyone. <laughs> Those years are just awkward anyways, so... I hear that. And do you uh, do you still have like friends or family back in California as well that you're in touch with, or family? My aunt, uncle, and one cousin live in San Jose. That's cool. My my cousin runs a horse uh, training. Um, she does her own business doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking the other day because she's like, "Yeah, our air quality is down to ninety eight percent." It's no longer in like the three hundred percent range. Yeah. And you were like, mm, "We got this good old fashioned Southern Illinois air." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It I may mean, not always be great water, but. Well, we have water. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you know, even we got some of the particulates coming over here from, from California a few weeks ago. So. That would probably explain like the extra allergies and all the other fun stuff of like just being real, ugh, just nasty in the nose and the cough and all the other fun stuff that went with it. Well, and remember those few days when people were posting those beautiful sunset photos? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that was part of it. <laughs> Smog and haze makes it for some really beautiful sunsets. Oh, great. And it's just the beauty of our climate collapsing in on itself yeah. because of man made reasons. It- I didn't want to say anything to those people who are like, it's so pretty. I'm like, yeah, that's that's air pollution. <laughs> but, you know. Uh, so One it, minor benefit, right? What, what has it been like? You know, it, we're, we're, we're at a point now where young people are seeming to, like, really latch on to the fight against climate change, right? But you've been steeped in the <laughs> in the trade uh, of activism by by virtue of of family matters, like what has it been like growing up with with that tent towards like you know I care about the environment more than people understand, and I understand the environment more than people care because i've I've learned about this since a young age i would i mean I'm just assuming I guess I'm just assuming that your mom and dad <laughs> brought you into the fray early on, yeah, for sure, in fact, I was just um I'm taking a class this semester. And I was just talking about this because we were talking about water issues in Texas. But I was saying to my Midwestern classmates, you know, until you've really, like, taken dishwater from washing your dishes in a tub and put that into a bucket Mm -hmm. and then use that to flush the toilet I mean, I don't think you can really understand like what it is to be concerned about water conservation. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that we shouldn't all be concerned to some extent, but I remember those years when we would, you know, do that. 
and I think I was seven or eight when the drought ended. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the circumstances were. I just, again, you know, you know how it is when you're little. You have these vague memories now. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember watching the news one night, and they had like some reservoir that was the water was lapping over the brim and they said the drought is over and I was like the drought's over the drought's over (laughs) I don't think I knew that California has a drought almost every summer or Mm -hmm. at least it does now I don't know if it did back then but um yeah I remember the news was like the drought's over and I was so excited (laughs) I don't have to take the water from the sink anymore yeah we probably still did that yeah um But, yeah, I mean, I also remember my mom telling me that, you know, in I don't remember how many years that California will be underwater because the ocean sea levels are rising. And I think as a kid, I thought that would be like now. Yeah. You know, that California would be gone by now. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I definitely grew up with some pretty more some more awareness than a lot of people did yeah well i mean every every 20 years we're just constantly predicting we know it's going to happen just when's it going to happen yeah you know how the science gets more precise over time but it doesn't get any less scary yeah (laughs) is that is that something that you feel like is is a is a component of living in carbondale in southern illinois that we're that we kind of have this little bubble here of like, yeah, we, we, we don't, we, we have tornadoes or we have things like the derecho and we still have, you know, pollution like coal mines kicking off coal ash into tributaries and so on and so forth. But it's not to the same extent of, you know, entire cities flooding on the East coast or massive wildfire outbreaks on the, on the West coast or. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's impacting all of us. I remember in college, like 2000, there was a national map and it was like, in this region, you could expect more humidity and more bugs. Mm -hmm. I was like, great. (laughs) That's just what we want. Um, So I think that, you know, it it impacts everyone differently. Yeah. No, that's, that is very, very spot on. um, So you, you talked about working on the MPA too, and that's you know I think that'll be a, a probably end up part of where I pick your brain a bunch in this conversation. I'm just like where where you see that crossover in the work that you've done for how long have you been a council person for? Since uh, eight, almost eight years. That's phenomenal. Um, so just where did did you already kind of have the drive for the MPA before being involved in in? actual elected office or when you got an elected office where you're like, oh, this would be a good compliment for what my interests are moving forward? That's a good question. I guess I started on the MPA in 2015, Mm -hmm. 2015, 2016, but I had definitely thought about it before because I work on campus and I thought, well, you know, nowadays you can't really get a great job with a bachelor's mm-hmm. especially in liberal arts like <laughs> I have um and I didn't really know what I wanted to be when I grew up I mm-hmm. s- still don't know if I really know I mean an MPA <laughs> is pretty broad even yeah. though it's 
public service oriented, it's still broad enough. And that was one thing that was appealing to it was like, well, I could work on it and kind of figure out what I want to do with it later. Mm-hmm. Is it is it one of those things where it, it's given you kind of this broad exposure to everything from, you know, local governments to, you know, an institution like SIU and universities to federal government activity and kind of just anything having to do with you know, public administration? Yeah, I mean, it's more like, you know, you take organizational theory, which is what I'm in right now. You take public budgeting, you take research methods or stats. Um, it's kind of like an MBA in okay. that it's very broadly applicable. So you could use it in nonprofits. You could use it in running your own business mm-hmm. or your own consultation kind of business, mm-hmm. which is something I've thought about um, off and on. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot you can do with it, which is what kind of appealed. Um, I've taken a lot of grant writing and grant administration Mm -hmm. oriented classes with Dr. James Grant, um, (laughs) who's like phenomenal. Uh He's, and he's the one who's helped the city with a lot of the, the community agencies and organizations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, revamping that a few years ago. Nice. So he's he's very knowledgeable about grant writing and foundations and getting I'm, the money. He's not. The, I'm trying to think of if it's the same guy that I'm envisioning. No, because I feel like he was talking about different stuff. I, I'm envisioning like a, a skinnier fellow with like thick frame glasses and like curly black hair, but I think that's a different professor at SIU that I'm thinking there of. There are two Dr. Grants. Okay. There's him and then there's his son, Dr. Tobin Grant, <laughs> who also is in the MPA kind of area. It, because of restructuring, the MPA program isn't under political science anymore. Mm-hmm. It's under management, the new school of management and something. So Maybe it's just school of management. That that is an interesting topic in, in my mind that I that I hadn't thought about was like being in school going through the restructuring with SIU. Do you have <laughs> like insight on how that is on how well, that has affected just achieving your degree as a whole you're like whoa Nathan (laughs) it's not supposed to like when I search for classes it's still under political science graduate level subject areas Mm -hmm. um but as someone who works there I can tell you like the the subject uh initials Mm -hmm. also haven't changed yet Okay. For any of them. So I don't know what the the plan is because my department where I work also went to a school mm-hmm. July 1st and slightly changed. It was electrical and computer engineering, mm-hmm. which is the ECE, and now it's electrical, computer, and biomedical biomed- engineering, mm-hmm. which is ECBE. Mm-hmm. But if you look up, you know, the catalog or anything, it's still under ECE. Okay. So I don't know how all of that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough, like, when all of the courses had to go online or hybrid. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, there's two people who work in the scheduling office at SIU full time. Mm-hmm. And kudos to them for figuring all of this out <laughs> in such a short time. Yeah. I mean, they do remarkable jobs. And anytime I had to pester them, I felt so bad. Like, <laughs> I know you guys are working really hard, but I have to, you know, add this class or add, add another section. Like, mm-hmm. I had to add so many sections because of the social distancing thing. Mm-hmm. Plus, they had to figure out, okay, well, you had a classroom that used to be able to fit 35. Now it fits eight uh-huh. with social distancing. Um, it was just craziness mm-hmm. on campus before the fall semester started trying to figure out okay well all the social distancing stuff all the labs you know you had to add other sections and then who's going to teach online who's going to teach hybrid it was craziness plus all of the uh the addition of the schools and all of those changes it's been it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> I believe that. Working in uh you know, I'm an office administrator. It's my mm-hmm. official title. So I assist the um he was the department chair, now he's the interim director mm-hmm. of the school. Um so it's been it's been a lot of work. So part of what you're doing in your role is shuffling around all of the different moving components that make a program a program. Yeah. I mean, and a lot more. I deal with budgeting. I deal with, um, you know, getting GA contracts done, mm-hmm. um, hiring. We had two faculty members retire mm-hmm. over the summer. Um, there's There's a lot... It's like anytime you ask me what I do in my job, you know, anytime you ask anyone, oh, yeah. it's like, uh, well, I, I do this and that. There's, you know, phone calls and emails. Like sometimes <laughs> all I do is respond to emails mm-hmm. and, you know, there's 20 different things that I do to take care of those emails. But yeah, it's, it's one of those jobs. Well, it kind of seems that's where the crossover of the work that you've been doing for so long in the higher education space and the MPA kind of crossover. It's like, I'm already chasing down 20 different tasks. Now I'm better equipped at a different level to do all 20 of those different tasks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was really interesting. The first course I took in my MPA program was public budgeting. Mm -hmm. And it was during the spring of 2015 when the state decided not to have a budget (laughs) (laughs) and as someone who oversees a a departmental budget Mm -hmm. you know I still remember like I'm also responsible for ordering office supplies and Mm -hmm. you know even if you do a pretty good job of pacing yourself throughout the year there's usually a June 30th end of the year like okay let's get some paper you know spend on this account and I still remember June 30th, spending some money. And then July 1st, I was like, okay, we can't spend any money. And like (laughs) going around like, we're not allowed to spend money anymore, right? And it didn't even occur to me till like a couple weeks into it when I got paid. Like, oh, wait, what what does this mean that we don't have a state budget, but we're still getting paid? 
So SAU said, you know, don't spend any money. You don't have budgets yet. Mm -hmm. But somehow they're still making payroll. Mm -hmm. So there is still money. It was just, I mean, especially after taking that class and Mm -hmm. seeing like, I mean, the hardest thing to do in that class was like when the professor said, okay, you have to cut 30% of your budget. Uh There was no way to do it without cutting positions. Mm -hmm. And that was what we all ended up, you know, we had small groups and I think my group was in charge of the fire department Mm -hmm. and there was just no way to do it. I mean, you could cut contractual down to like 10% and commodities down to zero and Mm -hmm. you know no equipment purchases and you would still not quite make it yeah and you know then she was like in reality you can't actually cut your commodities down to zero either (laughs) like (laughs) you're gonna have have to to cut Mm -hmm. something else before you cut that actually so it was a real learning experience it was um very surreal taking it during that time too oh that's that to me is just wild like that real life experience like did you go home every night and like read internet articles or watch tv or you know 2015 i guess newspapers still at the time just uh, god Allie's gonna kill you if she watches this um (laughs) just being like ah how is this real (laughs) i mean no because i was in grad school there's no reading for fun (laughs) it's Um, only reading to learn but yeah yeah, it was, it was, those are crazy times. I mean, it's crazy times now. Yeah. But. At least somebody's turned the faucet on, if not long enough to get a little bit of water in the cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now we have this whole virus, so don't share that cup. It's, I am, um, I had to, I got a, I had to take a, covid test for a new employment offer and before i could start they were like go get a covid test and i got my covid test results back yesterday and they were like negative and i was like great i I don't have to worry about all this time that i've spent not having covid but now i still get to worry about all the time moving forward right yeah (laughs) i did it the first day that sih said sau employees can go Mm -hmm. to the the old regions bank facility Mm mm-hmm and do the drive-through thing. I wasn't really, you know. I keep saying they they need to stop showing those pictures of the swabs up people's noses. It's not that. It's crazy. really not that bad. No. But when they show that, it looks horrible. But <laughs> there were there had been some positive cases in the building, mm-hmm. and even though I'm in a relatively newer building on campus, mm-hmm. it's still like how many degrees of separation are you? You know, before you, I mean, even if people in between the known positive case and you are negative, it's Mm -hmm. still like you're just in the same building. Everyone's sharing the same air. Like you just don't know. And I mean, if I start (laughs) thinking about it, I get. Sorry. (laughs) No. (laughs) Go down the rabbit hole of shivers. It's fine because what I was saying is I went like the first day and I got tested and then I found out, okay, it's really no big deal to have the swab. You know, it's over pretty quickly. It kind of, it reminded me that I have one 
nasal passage that's narrower than the other. <laughs> um, but, you know, which a doctor had told me years ago, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's why that one hurt more. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it was negative, and I remember mm-hmm. seeing that on Facebook, and somebody was like, negative right now, but you don't know if you've had it. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, and I could get it tomorrow, but... At least for right now, yeah. You know you're good. Yeah. And as of whatever three weeks ago, I was good. So and we're and we're wearing our masks when we're when we're not sitting right. here talking. Like yeah. And in terms of two people, I, I'm big on the whole contract tracing concept, right? Yeah. Like it's to me, working in groups of five or less and being you know cautious while at the same time, uh, you know, just understanding that you can, you can easily figure out if. X person has something like, well, where do you break the chain of spread? Well, okay, it's easy to trace back to a handful of people in, in one smaller spot and say, okay, well, here's here's your possible exposure. Yeah. That, that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable just still maintaining the, the small group activities deal. And, and you know, I feel it, uh, I just can't imagine what folks are going through right now that are that are actively working on the front lines all of this you know, know just to, just uh, the extra patience to have with somebody who's got to work at a grocery store or drive through or whatever i mean or nursing yeah doctors real i've i've gotten to i've gotten to have a lot of interaction with uh, at least two two sets of interaction with doctors since the since the car wreck and it's just like kudos to y'all for just running around all day long just not yeah. having a clue yeah <laughs> just dealing with it as it comes I mean, I guess that's the thing when you when you do that. Like, my mom was a an ER nurse for uh-huh. years, and you know, always had people like, "Well, my cough is. I have this weird cough. It's kind of like, <laughs> you know, and just like <laughs> right in her face. Just yeah, here you go. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, same with people who work with little kids. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, luckily a lot of Schools have gone remote, but I mean, pediatricians and I don't know. Yep. It it's it's crazy. The the kid part, we're we're not we're not sending the kids back to school at hand. They they we're lucky that our kids have flourished in remote learning, but like it ain't happening. Like I don't care how small you make the class. Like the fact is, you're trying to cram hundreds of people into a single facility and it just ain't gonna ain't gonna work for me yeah it just ain't gonna work oh my goodness so you talked about mom but you're you do you come from a big family like brothers sisters cousins like i feel like i've seen the family out before like i'm specifically thinking like waiting on y'all at a restaurant years ago and it seemed like you had a a a bigger family i don't know if it was cousins brothers sisters uncles aunts the the whole shebang or it may have just been friends and all that together yeah it was probably friends my my dad's side of the family is is um he has a lot of siblings uh, my mom's just got one one sister i have an older sister and a younger brother uh-huh. um they're both in austin so talk about virus central that's uh-huh. uh you know that's not really a is Austin a hot spot right now? Yeah, I mean, I think through the whole the whole thing, I don't know how they're doing right now. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, they're and I have a almost two year old nephew, so you know, they're again, they're just germ cities. Yeah. <laughs> Little germ factories. <laughs> um so uh so yeah, I have that's our, our core family and my parents still live here in Carbondale. Nice. Um, my mom's retired now, but my dad works as an appellate public defender in Mount Vernon. Oh, so he gets to go to the, the cool courthouse. Yeah, well, when it? when they're in session. Okay. They've been doing court via Zoom. <laughs> I feel like that's a I feel like that's a like a new television drama Zoom court, <laughs> or it's at least an SNL skit. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> well, he even uh, they have like a fake court background mm-hmm. on Zoom. Mm-hmm. That's like a picture of one of the courtrooms or something in in Mount Vernon. <laughs> I, th- I think he said it was Jefferson County specific. And I don't Ballpark. <laughs> You're like yeah. I can't keep track of all the stuff my dad does. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just like everything, it's via Zoom now. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting world. I it just happened to be a really good time to like kick this whole project off. Like I felt like one-on-one conversations. It's like it's a good format for the here and now. Yeah, I feel like I'm telling you a lot more because I never talked to anyone other than coworkers. <laughs> good. So no, that I hadn't even thought about that. Like people have been cooped up for so long, they're just itching yeah. to have a little bit of proper social interactions. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I won't say that. There's a few friends who I've, you know, socially distanced oh, at yeah. the dog park or, you know, whatever. Socially distanced, walking together. Um, but yeah, mostly it's coworkers and and texting and stuff. Yeah, there's like you know it's, we're lucky that it's not 1973 where oh <laughs> there's no way of <laughs> properly communicating outside of a phone call, yeah. or even you know 15 years ago when you yeah. had you only had free minutes after 9 p.m. Yeah, you know in texts if you <laughs> went over so many then it was five cents. You know I mean it doesn't even take you don't have to go back that far to. To be like, whoa, it would have been so different. It's the, this is like the best time we could have ever had a pandemic, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, oh my gosh, especially with our president. It's not. <laughs> I won't drag you down that hole. Not I, pro- a good time. <laughs> I promise you beforehand we didn't have to talk that that level of politics. We'll keep it, we'll keep it local, which there are two things, you know, and I, and I don't know which you, I'll let you pick kind of which direction we go next on this, but either the, the direction of growing up green in Southern Illinois or where all of your love for animals has come from. Your choice. Oh my gosh. Well, I, animals. All right. Um, <laughs> because we were talking about the dog park and, and it made me think of how many conversations I have with my dog now, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. Everyone does, right? I think everyone talks to their pets. Um, everyone who has pets. I'm a terrible husband. My wife wants her, the pets. I can't live with pets in the house. Aww. I'm just, that's, that's my greatest character flaw. Well, as long as she's working on you, I don't. <laughs> I don't have to work. Well, on you. If, eventually, if there. we have enough money, we're building the cat room. 
especially now that I've said nice. it like on tape and in public. Now she can hold me to the record. Yeah. You're like, hey, remember episode 11 with Jessica where you were like, cat room? Yeah, man. <laughs> they There's some cool stuff with cat furniture and cat. I mean, that's a pretty big commitment. That's more than just, I mean, I understand though. My, my um, 17-year-old cat just passed away oh. last weekend, which I'm very sad yeah. about. But now that I'm starting to clear out like the litter boxes, I'm like, man, I have this whole huge space next to this couch that was just a litter box. <laughs> and I mean, I still have to clean and, you know, stuff, but like, and it's, you know, it has been hard because, well, A, I'm still working, but yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's like you don't think about how much space your animals take up until. And not just in gone. your physical space, but in your heart. Yeah. <laughs> what was your cat's name? Her name was Heidi. Heidi. Heidi Cat. How did you how did you come to know Heidi Cat? She was a roommate's cat. Um and roommate decided to move across country and decided that she could take her seventy pound dog, uh -huh. but a cat was too much work. <laughs> I mean, I I get that. I do now that I've <laughs> traveled across country several times with at that point, I had two cats. Uh -huh. It is kind of a pain because you do you can't just let a, a cat out to go potty on the side of the highway. Like <laughs> you have to stop every night that you're driving and set up a litter box and food and water. Mm -hmm. Like you have to stay in hotels. So it is. I've been there many times because um, I've lived several places between graduating from high school here mm -hmm. and coming back here. Um, like you do in Carbonell, hey, like a lot of people do. It's the it's the move, man. Uh, this place is an anchor. Yeah, like, you know you can you can travel the world, but you're always coming back. Yeah. So <laughs> I I say that Heidi probably traveled more more miles than some people. Uh huh. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's true. She, I mean, 17 years is a long time for a cat. Yeah. I was lucky, but I was. It was hard, I, you know. I I believe that. I mean, I've I we've been through. So the cats, Marie's cats, stay with, um, my my mother in law, and it's like we've had the uh, the cats got out, the cats are lost, the cats are gone forever, episodes. Yeah. Uh, an overnight episode of, the cat is, gone, and it's, emotional. Yeah, Heidi used to escape all the time. <laughs> she, When she was a kitten and we had dogs in the house, she perfected the art of sneaking behind the door mm -hmm. as you were closing the door behind you and walking out with the dog. <laughs> she was great at it. Like, you wouldn't even know she was gone until uh -huh. um, she was outside. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But even as an adult cat, she disappeared maybe five six years ago mm -hmm. for like five days in carbondale that's <laughs> in she's July. on a bender man no <laughs> she got that she got that good carbondale in no. <laughs> she i ended up finding her and i knew like because what she does she gets out and she's like woohoo freedom oh oh my god 
it's scary out here in the <laughs> real world. And so she hides. Mm-hmm. That's I'm pretty sure that's why my roommates named her that, Heidi. I get it. Because Heidi. she hides. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she she was not that far from home, but I was in Northwest Carbonell at the time on Carico, and I remember, like, once I got to Sycamore, and then like, I think as far as like Almond Street, I was like, well, if she's gotten this far, she could be anywhere. And my friends and I were all calling her name. And I'm like, I know how she is. She's only going to come to me. Mm-hmm. Like, she'll respond. She would respond to me. I, You know, we'd, we'd talk. <laughs> if I called yeah. her name, she would respond. But other people she wasn't really into. Um, and, uh, in fact, when I posted on Facebook about her passing, it was like, most of you have probably seen her as she, like, runs away from the house um or like you see her like glare at you Mm -hmm. and then disappear um but yeah she was gone for four or five days in july in the heat and it turned out she was like two houses over in a shed that she had managed to crawl up into Mm -hmm. but i guess because of the the way that it had eroded she couldn't figure out how to get down or just was too scared to. Uh-huh. So I finally, like, one day heard, <laughs> and then I was like, there was this ivy-covered house mm-hmm. that I was like, I'm sure she's there. That's that's a cat haven. There used to be cats there. <laughs> and it was across the alleyway from that. And then finally I saw this little tiny cat head underneath <laughs> a shed. She was all dirty. She was white and orange. Uh-huh. She was so covered in dirt. And yeah, but yeah, so she definitely had more than her fair share of nine lives. You know. <laughs> That's phenomenal. But we're all uh, where. Uh, so I mean, so you had Heidi the entire time that you were that you were out of Carbondale between graduating school and coming back. Or uh, no, I um after I went to college, I moved to Montana uh-huh. for just over a year. That oh, was the in big, the, the big city. Two, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Big Sky Country. Big Sky Country. Big Sky Country. Uh, Slightly different. I worked in the 2004 election season for an organization called Project Vote Smart. Nice. Um, They track information on everyone from the president to state and local representatives. Uh And it's totally nonpartisan. Um, So I went there about a year before the 04 election. Mm -hmm. And... Because I had a cat at that point already, <laughs> moved in with some roommates, and we had three people, three cats and a dog in the house. That's its own so. television show name. Three people, three cats and a dog. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a definitely ex- an experience living in Montana. It was a town of 900 people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could spend another like hour talking about that. That was crazy. Crazy experience. How long did you spend out there? Just just over a year. Okay, what? So was the? I mean, was it specifically for the for the draw to working for this nonpartisan organization that you were like, yeah. I want to know more about the all encompassing of politics. I'm going for it. Yeah, I got a job out there okay. after I graduated. So they always um, hire tons of people before an election, and mm-hmm. then a lot of people leave after. 
um, because there's just so much data yeah. that they have to collect. I mean, they ha- when I was working there, um, I think I had, I was in charge of research, was the research administrator, research database administrator, some title like that mm-hmm. for biographical data. And just to give you an example, we had over 100 candidates candidates listed for gov- for um president uh-huh. 100 <laughs> i mean it it was so much and if they didn't respond to you they didn't it, it, like i said i could spend tons of yeah. time on this but uh if people want to know more they could go to votesmart.org boom plug got it <laughs> and find out more um, it's a great organization that I still support, but yeah, it was, it was an experience. That's the only, I mean, that's the main reason that people go out to Phillipsburg. Um, actually I think now they're in Arizona, but, um. Oh, so, we, so this organization was like based out of that. Yeah. Play, okay. So it wasn't just like, we're here in Montana for the one-off, whatever. It was like, that's okay. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Um, somebody donated an old ski lodge and property to the organization in their will yeah. back in the nineties or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they built this whole organization based there. But I think now they're at a university in Arizona. It's been a minute since I've looked them up, if I'm honest. Well, and I mean, if, if, uh, there are a couple, I, I think both Northern Arizona and ASU have really big, like, public activities focuses on their campus. I mean, I, I can think of uh, like PBS NewsHour, their, their, like, late edition, part of it's filmed at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at ASU. I think it's ASU. Um, but it's it's somewhere in Arizona. I know that much. And it's like, okay, cool. This makes sense how that would all mesh together. Yeah, huh. I want to say it's ASU. Okay, but it's late, and I'm—I don't know. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, I, I mean, blame you, everything. You, you don't have on, to keep track of the organization you worked for 15 years ago. That's, I blame everything on COVID brain nowadays, right? <laughs> so is that is is all of this work that you've done so far kind of what has drawn you into kind of running for circuit clerk as well? Like just the fact that it's a purely administrative position like outside of all the other components of you know being a city council person or you know stuff like your dad running for governor or what you know the 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 collection of of board seats and and different seats up and down the ticket that uh you know greens often run for like this is this is more than just i'm running for whatever it's like i get this this is the work that i do why not try for it yeah it was kind of the the perfect combination the perfect trifecta of political seat administrative like job experience mm-hmm. and soon i'll have my mpa yeah i'm gonna be graduating in may whoop, if, whoop. if all goes well however that graduation looks I'll yeah be sitting at my computer desk with the cap and gown on. yeah we won't have bob odenkirk man i would have loved to have him last year right i mean i still saw it on youtube so i guess <laughs> that's the same right as graduates last year but Anyways, yeah, so I have a couple more classes this spring, mm-hmm. um, but then I'll be an MPA graduate, which I don't know if we said that's master's in public administration. Now we have. 
Did we say that yet? <laughs> at SIU. People were like, what's that acronym stand for? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> people have the internet, hopefully. They'll find it. They can find it, but <laughs> just to be for sure about it. There's two yeah, types of so, people that pick up on the podcast. One is the 10-second watchers. They see it scroll through. And the other is the several hundred people that actually watch 10 minutes or more of this, which I assume is at least watching half the podcast. Because if you've watched more than 10 minutes, you're like in it. Yeah. And it's cool to see the metrics on the back end. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, that's interesting. I think, I mean, I'm a data person, so right. I bet it would be interesting. <laughs> um, oh, it's, it, I mean, and, I, and I've lived in this world of like social media metrics that you always question, what does anything like really mean, right? Like Facebook and Twitter and Google think they know what their metrics mean. Nobody actually understands what their metrics mean. Like in terms of the way that media and communications move entire swaths of popu populations like you can talk about how many people see a post and how many people interact with a post and how many people click through and and read time and watch time and all that but until you actually see like what we're experiencing now as a society you don't understand what those metrics mean like those metrics mean something in much greater detail than just a thousand impressions served i have heard a lot of things i haven't watched it because Right now, I need to be on social media but because you gotta I'm watch campaigning. It. You got to watch that documentary, The Social Dilemma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have heard so much about it from actually my instructor this semester, uh, Dr. Davis, mm -hmm. talked about it, and also um, one of my favorite podcasts, Armchair Expert with mm -hmm. Dax Shepard. I don't know if you, you said, is that Dax Shepard? Yeah, I, I have not listened to it. I'm not myself a big podcast listener. What? I know it's weird, right? I'm just I I'm I'm a I make my own stuff. I don't know. I'm a real I'm a real forager in the media world. I like to pick my own. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well. S silly. There's so many good podcasts. I mean, like you were saying, now's the time. Everyone yeah. seems to be in the podcasting thing yep. now. I mean, uh, oh, Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman have uh -huh. a great one too. Uh -huh. Although I think. Again, those both started pre-COVID, mm -hmm. but same with Conan O'Brien. Does Conan but, have a podcast now? Yeah. Okay. Um, but since then, there have been others. Rob Lowe has one. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm more into the comedy-esque like, ones, yeah. like Hollywood-esque ones, because, yeah. I, it's people you're already interested in. Yeah. Yeah, especially when they talk to interesting people in those interesting podcasts. I like the subtle plug in the middle of your conversation here, Jessica. I appreciate that. <laughs> interesting people. Yes. And their interesting lives. No. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's kind of, uh, this is this is all, like for me, not having like proper stand-up comedy. Like this for me, I can sit here and even though it's just like information about people's lives, like I'm laughing the whole time because like it's it's this laughter that comes from like the enjoyment of learning about people. Like no matter how well I do or do not know somebody, like it can be somebody like you and I where we have like, you know, a, 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 a middle amount of interaction and, and knowledge of each other. But like there's a lot to learn there. Could be somebody where I don't know anybody at all. All could be something I know incredibly well, but like there's always something new to learn. And when you're mm -hmm. trying to learn it for the sake of presenting it to an audience, like it inspires positive reactions. <laughs> yeah, actually, that reminds me of another podcast. 
Smartless okay. with Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, mm-hmm. and Sean Hayes. Three hilarious people in their own rights. They each, each episode, one person invites someone on mm-hmm. who the other two haven't done any research on. Uh-huh. So, like, the one person has done the research. The other two are just there chatting. <laughs> um, and then the three of them are hilarious. They've had other hilarious people on, like Dax Shepard. Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to remember who else. Anyways, it's it's really interesting um, and really funny. Oh, my gosh. Those people. I, I will have to check that out. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Will Arnett. The kids like Will Arnett. That's a good. I just finished rewatching Arrested Development, which I know isn't kid appropriate. But... <laughs> I'm not kid appropriate. Like, <laughs> like it's, it is what it is in our household. <laughs> um, how old are your kids? They are. Well, the um, uh, Zach and Peyton, my, my stepkids who live with me, they are uh, they are 10. They're twins. Okay. Uh, so it's we're at a very interesting point in time where they're really starting to catch on now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Gosh, I don't. I wonder. Like for teenagers, it's got to be hard. This whole COVID thing. Uh huh. And then for little little kids. Oh, I. We are in a very lucky position because they are twins. They are just the right age where like, they can occupy themselves with anything. We're lucky that they're very digitally literate and very comfortable navigating electronic spaces and digital spaces. Um, but yeah, I mean, any 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 younger, like if they were seven or eight, it'd be a nightmare. If they were fourteen, I'd be ready to strangle them. <laughs> but like, we hit just the right spot. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 you know, watching people who have to get childcare for their kids in in the setup. Like, I, there was somebody that was talking to me a couple weeks ago. Their their child was one of the one of the positive tests that came out of a local daycare here, and it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my nephew in Austin, uh, my brother and sister in law work from home, but you can't really get any work done with a toddler running around, so they still took him to daycare, but yeah. it shut down for a while because of all the positive cases. I don't know if it was there or just generally in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had to like split time off and figure all that out. <laughs> yep. No, it's, it's, uh, it's not easy. I'm lucky to have been unemployed for the past like three or four months. It's given <laughs> me a lot of opportunity to get settled with the kids and launch projects and whatever before getting back to a new, yeah, <laughs> new position. Like this one <laughs> and whatever we were, I feel like we've brushed through like Five different subjects. Oh, we're, we we we. Oh, I, I track back. Don't worry. I'm okay. I'm, all, I'm all about the recall. I'm like, what were we talking about before I <laughs> talked about all these other podcasts that I listen to? Do you listen to any like professional podcasts? Like, are you listening to, to stuff on that end? Like, uh, so everybody's got their own thing, right? Like, you're using media as a like a like as a way to escape out of work and, and other activity. But do you use it at all for you know educational purposes? And like, oh, I listen to this podcast because this is where I learned some stuff from. Yeah, I mean, I have like it's interesting. I have my my phone dog walking podcasts, uh-huh. and then I have my podcast that I listen to at work, and then I have my podcast that I listen to when I'm working from home, mm-hmm. um, and then music other times. Um, so I listen to like Radio Lab, nice. Um, you know, wait, wait, don't tell me. Um, yeah. 
ask me another. I love trivia stuff. That's nice. another thing I miss. You know, all the trivia nights uh -huh. when we'd have all these teams packed into a huge hall together mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with all those people breathing together. <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, but man, those were good times. Yeah. Have you, have you always been a trivia person? Uh, I mean, yes and no. Uh -huh. Um, when I was little, we would pull out Trivial Pursuit, but it was like the 1984 edition. <laughs> so my dad would just always win. <laughs> um, but, you, but you got a lot of pre-Reagan knowledge floating around in your head thanks to that Trivial Pursuit, right? Yeah, no. maybe. <laughs> I don't think I retained a lot of it. Um, I'm really into pop culture, so uh -huh. in case you can't tell by my podcast choices. Right. Um, <laughs> Uh, Pop Culture Happy Hour is one of the first podcasts I got into mm -hmm. on NPR. Um, so, yeah, I mean, part of me, even though there's this whole, like, professional, political part of me, part of me also would love to be, like, a Hollywood writer. That's um, write screenplays, adapt books for, for screenplays. I actually, I was a writing tutor in college, and uh -huh. that was probably my favorite job. Like the best job ever. So I, if you ever write a book, anyone out there, if you ever write a book and need an editor <laughs> and want to pay me for all that time, because a lot of times I used to just be like, oh yeah, sure, I'll take a look at that, mm -hmm. and then not have any time for it. But I love editing. Um, I mean, I can't wait to be done with grad school and read for fun again. Yeah. Um, I thought I might do that this summer, but there's just too much going on in the world. I just couldn't. I think I read a couple of graphic novels, mm -hmm. and that was like all my brain could take. Um, but yeah, editing and pop culture and TV, movies. I mean, I love listening to people talk about TVs and movies. Uh -huh. I don't know. Well, that's cool. Now, well, and this is, uh, uh, depending on the person that's here, I always pitch them on the Creator Dale project, but like there's another component to this of like editing and professional back end activity, screenplays, books, media, the, the whole shebang that like that type of talent and skill is something that's highly applicable on keeping the machine going in terms of actually creating you know, consumable media that is ready for mass distribution to hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people, whatever it may be, primetime television. Right? Yeah. So I, I dig that as well. Now that, that is it, is it something that also, I mean, you talked about being big into grant writing and whatever else. Does that also play into all of the other activity that you do in the public elected official life and in the administrator life and, and all that? Like, is that a talent that just ports right over into all this? Are you kind of like, I have to do more writing for work or more writing for grants or this, that, the other? Grant writing is very specific mm -hmm. and I don't know if I have the like knack for it because it's it's like technical writing yeah it's like you have to match up this piece with this piece you have to say I mean it's technical it's yeah. very technical they, they ask they ask for one thing and you have to write to that one thing but then there's a list of 20 other things they're asking for and you have to match each one right and I took a class in grant writing in the spring 
and I tried to help the Carbonell Warming Center mm-hmm. while the Carbonell Warming Center was transforming from a winter overnight shelter mm-hmm. to a 24-7 year-round COVID uh, distanced shelter, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And they have managed to do it so far, thankfully, yeah. uh, through some grants that the city manager and, and local uh, places of faith and other organizations have helped them do. Mm-hmm. But it it was like, well, this grant that I had looked at, well, A, a lot of organizations and foundations were just suddenly switching to COVID stuff. Mm-hmm. And B, they weren't necessarily um, like able to give me the information that I needed because all of a sudden their budget for the winter wasn't really applicable anymore. So yeah. it just... Um, it was crazy for a class, you know, a class aspect. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to end up with a grant that we could, in the end, apply for. But because everything changed from January to May, yeah. um, it didn't really work out that way. Mm-hmm. At least in my case, I wonder about other people in the class. Um, it was already an online class. So in that <laughs> way, the class was great. But in other ways, like, actually, I mean, just everything changed from January to May. So, uh, yeah. Um, But I thought about either being someone who works with organizations Mm -hmm. or foundations or, um, again, going back to the editing thing, being someone who reviews the people who submit grants, you Mm -hmm. know. And being the person who checks, like, okay, did they do this? Did they do that? Like, where's their budget? Because yeah. I do kind of enjoy budgeting. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was really good at math in high school. And then, like, a lot of people, I'm sure it kind of fades, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, but, I, I, couldn't, I could barely put together two plus two anymore these days. So I hear that. <laughs> but that's why you have Excel, right? Uh-huh. And I'm kind of an Excel, well... I was an Excel whiz. Now, you know, they keep changing it, but I'm pretty decent at Excel. I'm sure your base knowledge of being decent is actually like light years ahead of what most people are. Because anybody who's like, "Eh, I'm decent at Excel, it's like you put them up next to somebody who really doesn't know Excel. You're going to see the difference. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I learned a lot in my stats class. Uh Like, it's like, whoa. Oh, I didn't know it could do that. But yeah, Yeah. I mean, I do. I track, you know, contracts and budgets and i mean because my the department i work at at siu has a lot of grants so Mm -hmm. thankfully those faculty are mostly responsible for tracking them so i just kind of have a spreadsheet of all the grants and you know names and budget purpose numbers but i don't have to like do that every month um but yeah uh I forget where I was no, that, going with that. That's the beauty of this conversation sometimes. Like, I've done it so many times. Like, I'll just get deep into it. And then I'm like, what were you even talking about? I'm just <laughs> I'm just talking now. I like this. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. It's weird when you talk to people. Like I said, it doesn't really happen much these days anymore, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, and then, and then on the other side of this, it's very much, you know, I, I, I structure this 
the the talking that I do is really meant to spur thought in the person that, that I'm having the conversation with and a thoughtful person like yourself, it works out really nicely because it just comes out. Like it just flows naturally. And I think that's even part of what the podcast is, is really like where its strength is going to be is that Carbonell's got so many folks like yourself that can just think and can talk and it can just go, yeah. um, you know, which I, I should, I, yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about, you know, being like, Hey, should have your mom and dad on and like talk to them and like they're interesting people in Carbondale living interesting lives. Yeah. Um, which gets us back to kind of the, uh, the growing up green party aspect. Like was, was there already an established green party um, that? No. Um, actually that you should talk to my dad about that because I think that mostly happened when I was in college. Mm -hmm. I, Graduated from Cardinal High School in '99, mm -hmm. um, along with Will Stevens, nice and Shaddy Frick, who I just saw you interview. Yep. He's he's he was class in '97, I think, but we went to high school together. <laughs> we were in band together. Um, so yeah, um, but yeah, I think that happened when I was in college, mm -hmm. and then let's see, I moved back here in. Well, besides you know coming back for visits and yeah. whatnot. I moved back here this time mm -hmm. in 2006 mm -hmm. in part because my dad was running for governor. Yeah. So I actually missed his um, runs for state rep mm -hmm. the first couple times. I voted absentee because I was in college. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I came back here in 06 from California at that point. Um, Drove cross country again with two cats in the back of the car <laughs> um, and all my belongings. And uh, my car died that time, too. I had to rent a car. That was my first time <laughs> renting a car. That's all a whole other story. Um, <laughs> so many stories I could go into. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, where was I? Oh, yeah, running for governor. So yeah. I came back here in... April, May, I think it was April. Um, yeah, because it was right before his birthday, which is right around Earth Day. Nice. And um, we were petitioning, trying to get 25,000 signatures to get him on the ballot. And so that was my first time doing that, mm -hmm. um, going door to door, going up to Chicago a few times and stopping mm -hmm. people on the street. And then we had the petition defense where we collected, you know, this many signatures. Because yeah. I think we got, well, again, he could tell you, we got a lot more than 25,000. We just barely made it, too. The Democrats challenged it. Uh -huh. And I was one of the people who went to Chicago because that was my job was working for him for his campaign. Uh -huh. I was trying to do fundraising at that time. Nightmare. Didn't really know what I was doing, but <sighs> least favorite um, part of politics. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we went line by line, you know, when you sign a petition, you sign, print your name, mm -hmm. then you write your address, city, state. And people don't always write it real nicely. <laughs> no, and we had already gone through, I mean, for weeks before, we'd gone through if you'd written Seadale Mm -hmm. Cross that out and yep. wrote Carbondale. Yep. Um, 
I was part of the research campaign that tried to look up people's addresses if they had forgotten road or street or the direction. Mm-hmm. You know, if I put um, Main Street but forgot North, mm-hmm. that might be challenged and thrown out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything. If your signature didn't look like your signature that you signed when you signed your voter mm-hmm. ID, it could be thrown out, and a lot of them were. And that's what, you know, so we did that. We first checked all of these, I mean, ages and ages. We tried to complete addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to read <laughs> illegible, like, somebody's, not signatures, but, like, names. I mean, it was... It was a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and then we went through in the Illinois Board of Elections offices in Chicago and eventually in Springfield for like two weeks. There was a state official, a Democrat, and a Green mm-hmm. at each computer. And we went through each signature that they had challenged Mm -hmm. so they didn't challenge all of them they couldn't just say you know throw them all out they had to say you know this one is challenged for this reason Mm -hmm. but i remember they threw out like my mom's or my brother's um they threw out the chancellor at that time walter wendler's (laughs) signature um oh my god it was it was crazy and i remember the worst part was I was there with a judge who was a hunter and pecker. And the other woman who was there with me, you could tell we both just wanted to be like, just, just here, just scoot over, you know, (laughs) (laughs) just let us both. And actually she was really, really helpful, even though she was a Democrat Uh or like someone who they had brought in. She was like, Oh, I think, um, yeah, I think that matches this one. You know, she Uh would like pull up in the database. They'd have things pulled up and she'd be like, yeah, I think that's the right person. Nice. Um, So I'm sure they didn't like that. But (laughs) but yeah, so we ended up with, I don't remember how many signatures we got, Mm -hmm. but we just barely eked by with 27 and change out of the 25,000. So then my dad got on the ballot. Um, and then we had, you know, a campaign to run and, you know, um, uh, I don't know if you know, or people I, remember, I, I don't, I'm, I'm remember, I'm but it's all fresh for me. He, he got 5.4% of the vote mm-hmm. statewide running against Blagojevich and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Topinka, Judy Bart. Yeah. Topinka. Was she, did, was that her governor running? Yep. Okay. 2006. I wouldn't have quite been voting age and was not as mindful of my, my want for politics yet. Yeah. Now, my, one of my interesting, so how does that compare? Because I know there's been a difference this go around because of COVID. How does that experience compare to what the experience has been now? Like having to go get signatures for you know, in a socially distanced COVID world, like, has it, has that been online? Has that been in person? What has um, that been like? 
Yeah, well, actually, most of my signatures, luckily, we don't we don't need as many. Yeah, right. We don't need twenty five thousand for. Um, I think I ended up with a hundred something. Uh-huh. Uh, several of them were online, um, which was just one per page, and then a lot of them. I think I got over a hundred just at one farmer's market nice. day, um, which that was a Saturday. And then I think the Sunday or Monday after that, the cases in Jackson County were really high. <laughs> and I was like, Ugh, uh. and I mean, we had the pens, we had a uh, sanitizer to wipe off the pens. Uh-huh. You know, we had all that stuff, but I was still like, <laughs> I just had to interact with all these people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, knows? I love, I love the public. I love people. It was mostly people I knew, uh-huh. but I just, I'm such a germaphobe. Yeah. Oh. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I didn't used to be. I used to be. And then I wasn't. When I had roommates, you know, when you're uh-huh. in college and stuff, you start. That's yep. when I started, like, sharing cups or whatever, being like, here, you want a sip? Okay. You know? <laughs> um, and then now I'm back to, like, you know. Okay. Stay away. Stay Lysol. away. I have a plexiglass screen <laughs> in my office. Do you? Um, which you know, which is good. Plus, I have my own, my own office, and because nice. some people, everyone's been masked, but some people still have the nose problem. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was, uh, uh, I was over at Murdale today, and there was a guy. He'd taken his N95, right? So it's, you know, it's it's not just your typical, you know, surgical mask. Like, it's got some, some oomph to it. It's got some structural rigidity. And instead of having it pulled down or on his face, he had it pulled up in the smack dab middle of his forehead like he was a unicorn. And I could have just lost it. <laughs> Uh, and it's and it's hard because I I don't I really I, I steer away from you know pictures of individuals for the WTF Carbondale platform like it's very much like you know outside of like something like the guy that was on the trike a couple weeks ago and mm-hmm. I was like hey man can I take a picture of you that's cool right right or something like where it's not really identifiable it's from a distance whatever like somebody somebody hopped the curb at Dairy Queen like three or four weeks ago. And I mean, proper hop the curb at Dairy Queen, like over the parking block, over the curb curb, and then over the retainer wall, full on like tires were a tires with over it. Like had somebody been sitting there, it would have hurt them. Like not good. Um, and now I think I accidentally answered my phone, which was not what I meant to do. I meant to put that on silent as I, there it goes. Sorry. Um, like proper, like where had somebody been sitting there, like it would have messed them up. <laughs> and I was like, and I, and I finally, like, as the tow truck was pulling it back and people were out of frame, whatever, I snapped like a little picture. And I was like, man, this is gold, but I don't want to ruin these people's day like this. They don't need to, you know, have this happen and then be on the internet. Cause I didn't go yeah. ask them for it. So I, I try and stay away from that stuff, but well, like, yeah. You just never know. Half the time I feel like it's somebody who you do know. Because I remember years ago seeing a picture of somebody had rammed their truck into some building on 13. Yeah. Um, Was it Thai taste? Was it a Thai taste picture? No. 
feel like that's happened more than once. It was, I don't know, uh, going the other way. Okay. But, um, and it wasn't that bad. Like, I think it was worse for the truck. You yeah. know, it was a brick building. So I think the bricks were fine. <laughs> and uh, it was on the front page of the Criminal Times. And it was like, you know, I won't repeat her name now, but it was uh-huh. like, so-and-so, age, blah, 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 Carbonell, you know, was in this accident earlier. And I was yeah. like, oh, I should text her and make sure she's okay. Because <laughs> it was someone I went to high school with, right. you know. Well, and, I, and I never think about it in, in that context. Because, like, I, I list the page as newspaper because I try and, like, have some sort of news value content on there. Yeah, it's kind of shit talk. But it's also, like, you know, here's here's some information in a fringe way. And so, like taking into account that like newspapers all the time publish pictures publish names do whatever and they're not going direct to ask somebody because it's just it's public record so yeah. it's public record happening in a public space it gets reported on so that's yeah. something I'm mindful of sorry I, I don't mean to keep talking so much during this conversation you've you've been really good about talking and like latching on to um conversation topics so my apologies well i'm trying to remember what the last big topic was i guess green party yeah and, yeah I and mean, we were and, talking about you know what it took to kind of get into and like getting into a campaign in the middle of covid oh yeah well i mean initially so the reason i thought about the circuit clerk mm-hmm. uh campaign was you know i found out that the other opponent was going to be otherwise unopposed and yeah. um i forget who initially proposed that the greens run someone but yeah uh, my dad thought of me, and at first I was like, I don't, I don't know that much about the job. Like, what? Yeah. I don't know. And then I did, you know, did some research, yeah. something, something else I love to do. Right. Um, and was like, oh, this is kind of perfect. It's, it's a political job, but it, like, or it's a political office, but kind of like city council. It doesn't really need to be, pol- I mean. Not political. It's, it's um, elected, partisan. but it's not political. Or, yeah, partisan, yeah. It shouldn't yeah. be a partisan. I mean, it's an administration. It, it can be elected, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a partisan job mm-hmm. to help judges. Yeah. Like, where does politics come into that? Just like with city council. Where mm-hmm. does left, right, Democrat, Republican, Green mm-hmm. come into... Oh, don't leave the libertarians out. No, I'm just kidding. Libertarians, <laughs> independents, right. whatever. How does that impact how you're going to do your job as yeah. circuit clerk or when you're up at city council making decisions on zoning and stuff like that? Like it just some of these things just doesn't make sense. And I think that's part of why where my MPA background now fits in. Like yeah. it took me probably until the last year or so to realize this year or so of my studies. Mm-hmm. But um you know, something with public administration versus politics is like politics is very much, um, well, political. Yeah. Administration is what I do at SIU. Yeah. You know, it's not political. It's getting stuff done. So, yeah, I mean, that's something that I studied through through um, uh, the MPA program is like, Okay, well, here's the difference between, you know, kind politics of. and public administration. Yeah. Public service. And a lot of people go into it for very 
similar reasons, but different. You know, a lot of career politicians, Mm -hmm. you know, have different, may have different motives. Mm -hmm. Versus just doing the people's work. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, this is a, we are, we're, we're pushing an hour 20 and usually uh, I have these things around an hour. So I'm going to, unless there's anything in particular that, that I missed that you're like super interested in want to talk about, I'll sit here and talk forever, but I don't want to keep you longer. I I feel like we didn't talk about city stuff very much. We, we didn't, but you know. That's okay. <laughs> you can always have round twos with people. Right? Oh, absolutely. But. And that's kind of on my on my to-do list of like really especially with with a lot of the folks that are kind of up front like on this like people that I want to cycle back around to. Yeah. You know, like in the first 50 people, you know, out of the first 50 people that I do this with, I'd like to be able to pick 10 of those people and have a revisit with them, you know, in a year's time. Yeah. And I think you would definitely be one of those people like it's just there's there's a lot going on in your life and it's worth checking out on that. So yeah, sorry I didn't yeah. that I didn't pick up and like city stuff is super interesting to me as no, well, obviously. But it's fine. And uh, I didn't even we started talking about animals and I I talked about Heidi instead of like how I fell in love with animals or whatever, but But it's cool stuff. Um, and I mean this is this yeah. is pertinent to your life now. You've you've talked about it on social media, like this is an interesting piece that like people will want to hear that, you know, ten minutes yeah. that we talk specifically about the adventures of Heidi yeah. and Jessica. Like yeah. <laughs> she was such a cute cat. And uh, I I even posted because I didn't get any yard signs put out uh-huh. hardly at all this last weekend. So I even put it on my circuit clerk campaign pa- page because I mean, I think I've caught up now, but there's possibly still people I'm forgetting about because I was kind of, I mean, Sunday I was just a wreck because Oh yeah. that was when she was really bad. But even Saturday, even before, well, like I told you with the, the reason I had half and half because uh-huh. I was at the grocery <laughs> store like, okay, well, sh- maybe she'll eat this, maybe she'll eat uh-huh. like... And so I took a little tablespoon of half and half and tried to give it to her, mm-hmm. poured it down her throat with her medicine, uh, and, you know, just, ended up with half and half and antibiotics <laughs> all over both of us. And oh, no. that didn't work. So yeah. no, I totally misread that text. I was like, do you need half and half? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, sorry, we don't, we're not really, we're not big coffee drinker. I don't have half and half at the house. No, I was well, flip flopped. Like, <laughs> I don't know. There's probably something you could do besides putting it on coffee, but. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Well, that's. Uh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna call it on on that one. On this is good. You are you are you are so far the. Uh, you are the you are the reigning champion of length of podcast. Uh, oh my gosh! So far, okay, I dig well. it. No, no, this is this is a really fun conversation. I really enjoyed this, um, a lot. Um, okay. And I, I and you. I look forward to maybe in a year or so having you as one of a, one of our first revisits yeah who knows what i'll be doing in a year right you know I, we might have a pretty good idea depending on how the next month goes <laughs> might, might. did you stop recording no i'm I've not i'm I've not i'll i'll end it real quick and then we can have our conversation afterwards <laughs> this has been episode 11 of the wtf carbondale podcast with my guest jessica bradshaw an absolutely wonderful conversation that i'm looking forward to revisiting sometime in the future and uh Have a good one, whatever that one may be. Thanks.